you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Here's play action. And Brady across the middle has Gronkowski. Slips out of a tackle. And down the field he goes. Gronkowski to the end zone for the touchdown. Oh, Tannehill wasn't ready for it. And that's going to be a safety. Tannehill's pass intercepted. That's the middle. Who else? Lewis. Untouched to the end zone. The New England Patriots ended Dan Campbell's honeymoon period with a 36-7 victory over the Miami Dolphins on Thursday night. I'm Greg Rosenthal alongside Chris Wesseling. We're going to get to Dan Hansis and Mark Sessler, the whole group back together again to preview all the week eight games. But first... uh, Wes, let's talk a little bit about this game. The Throne of Ease is feeling mighty comfy on this Thursday night. Well, since it is the Throne of Ease, do you think there will be a loss this season? Yes. I just think 16-0 and is a ridiculous thing to expect, and I've just seen so many seasons, obviously by a million teams, by a lot of great teams. And this is a, a great Patriots team. It's only the second time they've been 7-0. and uh, but the odds are one of these weeks that just it's it's so hard to be that good each and every week. If Brandon Marshall catches a pass last week on the goal line, I think there's a good chance that the Jets end up winning that game. I mean, things happen. Yeah, but we were talking during the game and this it's crazy that they're playing better than they were during last year's playoffs. And you mentioned the 2004 team right. early in two, 2007, obviously, but that's the level we're talking about. Well, they they've been so consistent this year and we'll get into it. The defense has been outstanding. Yes, I think they're playing as well in terms of sustained excellence as they have at any point in the Brady-Belichick era other than uh, the the first 10 or 11 games of 2007. I'd put that there. And really, most of the back end of 2004, uh, which was maybe their best championship team, I would say. But this team is right there because they're just hitting you from every angle. If you've got a good running game, like the Dolphins have the last couple of weeks, they suddenly hold you to 15 yards. If you're coming in hot with a couple of blocks, they shut you down, and then everything on the offense is working. I mean, they're Gronk, Edelman, Amendola, Blunt, Deion Lewis, just so many different things are working for them. Well, you know I led my piece, what we learned with Deion Lewis, who of course. is one of the most exciting players to watch, and that move he put on uh, Misi was just oh, incredible. Deion Lewis... It's hard to overstate how much he means to the offense, and I think it speaks to Brady's transcendence that without one of his most valuable players last week, he just riddled the number one defense in the NFL. Lewis has been great this year. But they missed him last week, and that was one of the things I really thought re- watching that game was how much of a difference he makes, especially in a game like last week where they weren't running the ball much. This one they actually went out to try to run the ball between the tackles early with LeGarrette Blunt to mix success. That's the thing. This game – was well played by the Dolphins' defense for much of it. I thought they played well. Didn't in, they force four punts in a row? They did. They they played well in the first half. They got after Brady, but if you give him six or seven possessions, eventually he's going to get you. And he got he got them going into the half to to take a nineteen nothing lead. 
it was really the Dolphins' offense and their mismatch and just not even getting past midfield in the first half that I think sunk the, any chance they had to win. And I, I talked about it on Tuesday. Take away what what the Dolphins want to do. What can they ha- What can they do to adjust? And what do they have to go to? And this game didn't look any different than a Joe Philbin game. You know, enough the rah rah speeches from Dan Campbell and the biceps are only going to help so much. Well, it didn't look any different than Joe Philbin when you put the best team in the NFL and one of the best teams we've seen in recent years as their opponent. Well, that's fine, but they weren't competitive. You know, you were talking about but the, the we, Patriots we, went into Buffalo when it was thirty-seven to thirteen at the end of the third quarter or whatever. I mean, this this is who the Patriots are. That's fine, and the Bills are a three and four team, and the Dolphins are a three and four team, and that's that record. The Dolphins, by the way, are forked. Ooh. Well, we have to have an official meeting. We have to, you know, get the – I was the only one. I was the biggest fan. I'm – Bagels. They're not going to do anything without – Well, as – Cameron Wake suffered an Achilles injury, and if it's year-ending, there's no way they're going to the playoffs. Yeah, as we tape this, it sounds grim. It looked grim. When they announced an Achilles injury, that usually is grim, and he was really the one of the big keys to their turnaround the last couple weeks. He even had a, a sack and a tackle for loss in this game before the injury, and that would be devastating. And let's talk about how devastating a loss this is. I was, you know, I did a radio spot in Miami this week, and they, you know, they were they're starting to feel it there that this season really is going to be something. Just much like Chris Wesseling was starting to feel it that this team was really turning it around. Can you at least admit you're a little disappointed? You said. You said you thought they could keep it close, right? You thought they'd be competitive. This was a blowout whether they lost Wake or not. That was late in the game. No, but I don't think – I really don't think anybody's going into New England and keeping the game close. Jets I don't did. See any, the Jets in did. New England? Jets did. That, oh, what that was that last is? week, okay. yeah. The Jets are a very good team. <laughs> <laughs> Giving them credit. Dan's got to love the start of the I've show. been telling Dan that the Jets are a really good team. Yeah, they are, and – and I don't think the Dolphins are, and they're going to have to win in Buffalo in Week Nine. One of those teams is going to be three and five, and, and really in trouble. And I, I think it starts with it largely is on Tannehill. I don't think he's bad, but you know, to, I just don't think he's going to do enough to make up for whatever's going on around him. I mean, he, he was okay tonight, and then he throws a couple interceptions. Just another disappointing game from him. Meanwhile. Uh, Gronk. I mean, we got to mention Gronk le- leads the league in receiving touchdowns right now, 113 yards receiving, just having another ridiculously dominant season. He's the greatest tight end in history. Mm. I know Tony Gonzalez did it for for longer, but Gronk is off to the best start of any tight end, and his peak is, I think, by far the best of any tight end. And it, it sounds weird because he dropped five passes last week, but I think Brandon LaFell is going to help them a lot. Getting Adding him to this mix, They need it, it really helps them to have an outside receiver. They haven't had that. And we've gone this far almost without talking. Brady's been so good, we're just used to it at this point. But he has 20 touchdowns and one interception this season. And that one interception was the drop by Edelman that was returned for a touchdown. He's basically throwing a perfect game. Forget about the MVP race. If this stays anywhere like this, it's over. He's on pace for 5,500 yards passing and a 46-2 to touchdown-to-interception ratio, mm. which would both of those would break records. They, they would, and uh, I hope this show breaks the record uh, for the most laughter by our, our listeners. Or I don't know, maybe just the longest show ever. It will be if I keep talking. So why don't we send it to Dan and get on with the Week 8 preview? Let's do it. 
the Around the NFL podcast are too lazy to write their own money tags. <laughs> Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Hey, Dan. It's absolutely right, by the way. Very true. We've admitted it. Uh, Matt Money Smith. Did he retape the, the first little bit there? I mean, that sounded, there was something going on. He, it was he had a little more drawn out. Kind of sounded like he took a stroke. Right. Well, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> oh. I, he had some fire in his belly. We should mention big, big weekend for money. Well, that's right. He's doing a Fox broadcast this weekend. What game is it? Browns game. Browns. Car- saw him this morning in the huddle, and he seemed genuinely fired up. I don't think that he gets the chance to do that often, but it was the World Series has propelled him into the NFL announcing duo landscape for this week. I think it's an interesting game. He is the voice of around the NFL podcast on some level, so I I see this as a victory for all of us. Well, and if, uh, a lot of certainly for you. A lot of network executives <laughs> are sleeping on this guy. He should be one. Of, he would be one of the best play-by-play men in the business no if they let him it. do it every week. Money, money. By the way, has a True. has had a big career. I mean, he's got a big radio show in L.A. He's been on Nathan for you. Only like my favorite show on television. The guy now is on TV. He's the he does our drops. I mean, the guy. I mean, what are you gonna? I do? am convinced he is the son of of uh, Tom Brokaw because his voice is so deep. I just it's it's unbelievable. I will not let my my wife listen to it. We have a nice guy to boot. <laughs> what you won't like? Well, she's already into Dan's voice, so That's you know I don't well, need more, more of this voice, action. But, um. <laughs> I definitely married someone that doesn't care what a man's voice sounds like. <laughs> so I'm cool. It's a veteran move. <laughs> Wes, by the way, uh, <coughs> you know it came up in the uh, the lunchroom today that you you still don't have a car. No, I don't have a. I don't. I gave mine away. It was you. You lost the car. It was a business deal that went sideways. Uh, just so everyone knows, uh, Wes put his car in Craigslist, I believe. No, it was just some guy walking by, and I said, "Here, have my car." Because you were flying home for the holidays, and you didn't have I didn't a place. Want, to park I didn't want to car. park it over the break, and this guy was putting a card. On my car. It was a message saying, we buy junk cars. That's how bad my car was. <laughs> <laughs> this guy was putting a card. And I was like, why don't you just take oh, no. it and give me, when I get back into town, just give me a few hundred bucks for it or something. I never heard from him again. That's when the deal went sideways. Shockingly. He gave the car away and then said, a week from now, eight days from now, ten days from now, I will ask for the money. Shockingly, the guy putting c- cards on different cars saying, we buy junk cars, did not have integrity. Well, I mean, why didn't you get the money from him right then? He didn't. He wasn't walking around like the streets of L.A. with hundreds of dollars in his pocket. Did you get his phone number or contact information? I did. How about the police? He didn't speak English the next time I spoke with him. I bring. <laughs> really? <laughs> wow. This Frankly, he needed the car man. more than I did. Well, that's a good. I mean, you're a good person. It was that's Christmas time. I got caught up in the feeling of. Well, you did a good thing. I just want to. I don't bring that up just completely out of nowhere. Um. Are you a slightly damaged woman with a car in the greater Los Angeles area? <laughs> Email us at trueloveforwest at gmail.com. That's a real website. I started it earlier today. <laughs> if you drive a car, if you're slightly damaged or broken, was that the word, Wes? Flawed, but not broken beyond repair. If you fit those characteristics and you live in the Los Angeles area, hit up Wes. He's single. <laughs> Let's I see think. what happens. Is, yeah. Are you single? Semi. Okay. Yeah, I'm single. This is the... I'm unmarried. There you go. This I don't live with anyone. I'm single. The late Thursday uh, edition of the Around the NFL podcast. You just heard. <laughs> Greg, Greg. No, no. I'm just, I think we should continue just looking for drivers for Wes. 
There's a Come day. drive Wes around. <laughs> Wes lives in Marina Del Rey, which isn't far from here. Culver City. Not close. But it's not close, and he's Ubering every day. They somebody stole the they done gun got your bike that's gone. I was biking to work every day and somebody stole my bike from beautiful Marina Del Rey. What kind of person steals a bike from Marina Del Rey? Just picture Wes's bank account being a helium balloon and then that Uber being a little hole in that balloon <laughs> every day. We got to get you a car. We want to get you a woman too. Maybe we get two things at once. Well, women cost a lot of money and so do cars. You should date an, a woman Uber driver. Ooh, match it all up. Now, <laughs> now we're thinking. Now we're on cooking fire. with grease. Uh, yes, this is the late Thursday edition of the Around the NFL podcast. You heard at the top of the show, uh, Wes uh, Sneaky Single, I call him, and Greg <laughs> Rosenthal uh, talking about the AFC East showdown between the Dolphins and Patriots. And I'm sure, although I have not heard it yet, you guys did a great job with that. Um, but there are more games to get to, and I'll tell you what: thirty-two teams. Four teams on by means 14 games, one covered, 13 to talk about. Yes or no? That's true. And you've done a good job accounting for the London game, even though it's early. Still a game. doesn't change the math. Absolutely. Speaking of the London game, why don't we start there? we got a lot of stuff to get to today. Uh, again, truelove4wes at gmail.com. <laughs> I will be personally monitoring that account and uh, kind of funneling it through it comes through me and then it gets to Wes. This might be the most surprising thing on this podcast from my point of view. <laughs> All right, let's start with that London game. It is the final London game of the 2015 season, uh, the international series they call it. I think Mark, you are keenly aware of that series. We'll get to that a little bit more later. The Detroit Lions, a 9:30 a.m. Eastern kickoff on Fox. Uh, they face the Kansas City Chiefs. This is a uh, on paper, you know, people in London getting banged a little bit here. This is a one and six team going against a two and five team. But, but you I'm know who's getting, you know, in trouble is Fox in the NFL because this looked like a a solid game. It looked good to the year. And let me say this uh, by way of selling it: uh, th- these teams are not as bad as their records are. So I would not be surprised if you get a pretty solid game here. Plus, you got Jim Caldwell involved. And you remember what happened with Jimmy C last time we were in London, one of the worst coach games in the history of the <laughs> National Football League. Maybe you'll get that again. That's always exciting. Well, now you've sold it. <laughs> I mean, it w- how could we ever forget what happened last year in London? That was a great game. It was exciting. Lions game. I mean, this Lions team, I don't know. I mean, I it, it's just the, the parts don't add up to much. It just – I wonder if getting rid of – Lombardi will really help a lot because it did seem like either it's a coaching or Stafford is just a terrible quarterback in terms of recognizing where pressure is coming from and fixing his protection and all that. There were multiple series in a row where he didn't have a chance. He just dropped back and four Vikings were in his face. Right, but isn't it on him or the coordinator on some level to Reminds recognize of- where – it wasn't like Zimmer was doing different things. It was the same up the middle. Like well, he was, eight, bringing, it, he was blitz. bringing blitzes, yeah. Right. At them every time, and they never, they can never figure it out. Philip Rivers spends half of his week trying to figure out blitzes. I don't. I, I think it's a fair question. How, how devoted is Matthew Stafford to getting all of his offensive line and running backs together and working on pass protection? Yeah. Well, that is the the trouble for this game. If you're a a fan in London, is you know that Stafford, even on his best day, will go through streaks where he's massively inconsistent, doing stuff that makes your head shake. And then on the other side, you've got Alex Smith, who lets, there's no way he's going to suddenly touch some new high ceiling. 
I mean, you're getting you're getting potentially a very bad quarterback game here. Or very good. Why good? <laughs> we've got everything covered. Look, we've got the coaching change that can often inspire. Look at what happened in Miami. You know, Jimmy C takes over this 13-3, Super Bowl champs. Maybe they, you know, get the new coaching factor and they start playing with a little more vim and vigor. The, the Chiefs have a playoff defense. I, I don't think they are – I think they can be a top-10 defense. They started off – a little slow, a little up and down where they'd, they'd have stretches of games they were good, but they're pretty deep throughout. Now that Eric Berry's playing better. Uh, Sean Smith returned the, from The whole suspension. defensive line is really playing well. The secondary's fine. It's, it's a good defense, but the offense, I just can't imagine. I just don't like teams built to win games 17-16. It doesn't. They're built to win work. games like 12 because they're going to get field goals every time. Wes, I'm, you are the only one amongst us, uh, not counting Greg, he quit. Uh, to pick the Lions, I'm assuming that's based on what you just said with the new coaching, maybe oh, yeah. a little spark. I believe in things like that. Can't start a fire without a spark, Bruce once taught us. That's nice. what you're saying. Except from the 1986 album. 1984, born it, in the USA. It is it is appropriate since you you know grew up in such a coal town, uh, <laughs> as Mark likes to allude to in general. <laughs> yes. In Bruce Springsteen, what, eight? Eight or nine tens out of eight or nine songs out of ten are about coal towns by Bruce. He, 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 this I'm is what just, Bruce sings about. I'm just going to coal town, hardworking people. He's oh, by the factories. way, I take a private jet everywhere. By the way, that's well, also Billy Joel. Right. Well, I mean, they're East Coast guys. You got factories. <laughs> this is Bruce. Factories, cars, and women. Are you calling Bruce Springsteen a phony? No. I okay, good. <laughs> I, I wouldn't. By the way, I did not want to go down that alley. An arcade fire, uh, arcade fire fan, which I'm a fan of as well. But I don't want to hear you banging on Bruce because they aren't who they are without Bruce being in the picture. That's fair. Let's move on. I never really got the Bruce thing. <laughs> that's okay. I totally get that. One not game into a four and a half against, hour I'm, show. That's the thing, though. I'm not against him either. He's fine. Right. I, I I got you. I'm with you. Wes and I are in the pro Bruce group. Mark, you know. Certain, a lot else. of respect. I'm not dialing him up on my, you know, whatever I'd listen to music on. <laughs> what would it be? <laughs> Mark, what I do don't you know. Music Phonograph? I mean, Mark's not really a music guy. I think <laughs> no, I, do, no, I, is, I do like music a lot, but but Springsteen, I greatly respect. When it's was just last not time top you, 20. Do you ever me. buy music? Does anyone Does buy music anymore? I buy a lot of St. Lucia. You buy a lot of music? I like, pay in $12.99 what a month for Spotify. Yeah. That counts. All I right. view that a little differently, but I do the same thing. So Let's get back on the tracks. The <laughs> Tampa Bay Buccaneers <laughs> didn't take long. Hit the road. They could not close against the uh, Washington Redskins last week in a one-point loss. Now they head to Atlanta to face the Falcons, the six and one Falcons. But you know, let's face it. Last two weeks they get beat on Thursday night by the Saints. Then they barely beat a you know middle of the road and perhaps less Titans team at less than full strength, a 10-7 win. So for me to assume, and I'll, I'll start with you on this, Greg, because I know I think I saw a tweet from you. You were very impressed with Jameis Winston. Uh, Matt Ryan not playing extremely well this season. This could be a closer game than people expect. I think it could. I think the Bucks have something going right now. They're starting to look a little bit more like the 2013-2014 Falcons, also run by Dirk Cutter, and those teams were really built on throwing the ball down the field. You guys really like that Redskins defense, right? The last, you know, in general well, this season. Okay. In general. And the Bucks did a number on them. They moved the ball the whole game against them. They had 17 points right out the gates. Winston is great down the field. 
And then he also had some big throws in the second half on third and long to the outside. I, I thought he was really impressive. And if Doug Martin or one of their running backs, who are also playing very well, could have gotten the ball in from the one-yard line, I think all week people would be talking about Jameis Winston's breakout game. There would be no I like that from Kirk Cousins. The game would have been over. They'd be up 10 in two minutes. He has been playing really well, Jameis Winston. He Wait, what did you say about that? You like that? You like that? You know what would be even better if – he lo- they lost. Let's say that drive stalled, ha! and then they had a video of, I don't like that. I don't like that. You don't like that. I mean, how about this? You're you right, Greg, that. because a couple weeks ago, the Redskins secondary played one of the best games I'd seen by any secondary all season, and they got taken to town. But for me, their defensive line, the Bucks line, who I thought was one of the worst for a long period, long stretch, they w- they won that matchup. That's right. And, that, it's, and Martin and, and Sims together are, are kind of a dangerous duo. I mean, who's the really best running are. back in this game? Doug Martin? No, Devontae Freeman. Freeman. But Doug I Martin. Would go, I, Doug, I would I'd go Doug, Doug Martin. Martin. I would too. He doesn't have the touchdowns, but I'd go Doug, Doug Martin. Martin runs like a Tasmanian devil this year. He's he, healthy finally. He's slippery, and that's what I mean. This looks like an offense that you you want your team to develop as the season goes along. And I thought that performance showed me they are turning into an offense that can be pretty explosive. That ha- you know, Mike Evans is coming along. Winston can throw deep. You have the running game. It, it's kind of a fun I team to watch. That's great. You know, all this Bucks love. The Falcons going to hang forty-two points on them this week. Well, I, I don't have any love for the Bucks defense. By the way, and I know you know Doug Martin's having a nice bounce back season, but Devonta Freeman is not just touchdowns. He's averaging four point seven yards per carry. He's got six hundred twenty-one yards on the ground, thirty-four catches for three hundred ten yards. He's been. Incredible for that. He's been, you could argue, he's been a top three or even better running back. This well, and so Dirk Cutter so and Kyle Shanahan both deserve credit for this. You know, what's happening. Yeah, I don't think it's clear cut. I just said I'd prefer Doug Martin because I think he's running as well as any non-Todd Gurley back in the What league. if you were starting a team right now and I gave you the choice between the two of them? I'd probably take Devonta Freeman because I don't trust what happened the last two years to Doug Martin. I, I don't know what happened, but I don't want those two down years. The, the difference is the Bucks sometimes let you know a defender break through the line of scrimmage and they're, they look like they're going to get Martin in the backfield, and, and he makes the miss, and he gets away from him. I don't know if Freeman is quite that guy. He's more just running straight at you. I like Sims, too. Yeah, Freeman is definitely running through much bigger holes than Doug Martin. Uh, we all took the Falcons in that game. Uh, moving on to the next 1 p.m. Eastern kickoff, the San Diego Chargers travel to Baltimore to face the Ravens. The Ravens 1-6, and six, can't get it going this season. The, the Chargers... You know, the middle of the road. We forked them. These are two forked teams. Uh, by the way, welcome two back. Two and five is the middle of the road right now. Yeah, Mark, you, uh, this is you your first show up. back since London. Uh, you were okay with us forking the Chargers? Yeah, I mean, we talked about it. I always want to be bold. I think we're going to get we're going to get nailed on, on some of these forks that we've done at some point. But that's the fun of it. Sure, fork them. Okay, so you're comfortable <laughs> with that. Why not? Uh, Greg, what your thoughts about this game? Is, is there anything for the – uh, layman to get excited about in this matchup. <laughs> I don't know. Well, Philip Rivers, I'm excited to watch him every week yeah. in general. You're what? You're not? It's just like uh, uh, he's amazingly efficient, and he's he should go to the Hall of Fame if he keeps this up for another couple of years. Keenan Allen? But I don't like go nuts when I watch Philip Rivers play with excitement with a bunch of like four-yard passes. Well, that doesn't excite me, but he's got some of the little rainbow touches. He's got the ones where he's a – 
getting away from defenders. Uh, this is a good matchup from him. He hasn't had many good matchups, it, it feels like, lately. Keenan Allen, that's worth the price of admission. Yeah, a bunch of eight-yard receptions. Steve Smith. Is it? I mean, you have to pay like $160 for a ticket. I'd be happy to just right, watch it in a sports bar. That's a figure of speech. I would never pay that money. <laughs> and, you know, the Chargers, they could not have looked worse when that game mattered. That's why we forked them, uh, not just the loss, but how bad they looked. I keep on. I feel like I haven't looked back at the picks this season, but I probably picked the Ravens to win more weeks than I have not because I keep on waiting for them to not fall on their face and get the season on track and be respectable. But maybe they are going to go four and twelve. I don't know. I, I I thought this team was better than that, but you keep losing at a certain point. You're just a loser team. This is a, a good week to get healthy if you're the Ravens. Eric Weddle's not supposed to play, and Jimmy Wilson last week had one of the worst games you'll ever see from a safety. All three. Raiders touchdowns from Derek Carr to receivers came picking on Jimmy Wilson. And you saw Amari Cooper put him on skates on that one play. Clive Walford beat him down the sideline. Crabtree made him miss on the way to the end zone. And then Amari Cooper outjumped him on on another bomb that wasn't a touchdown. So Jimmy Wilson was a huge liability last week. You can only imagine what Steve Smith's going to do to him. I've alluded to Mike McCoy being in trouble in San Diego. You know, Tom Telesco, the general manager, has had an absolutely brutal year. Uh, You know, his big signing, and you couldn't blame him for Brandon Flowers struggling. But at a time when no one invests in inside linebackers, you know, that's just kind of, we'll figure out who, you know, we can get a guy in the fourth or fifth round. They gave Donald Butler huge money, and he's been terrible. They draft Manti Teo. In the second round, he has not been good. Uh, Perriman, who looked like he might be good, uh, the best one of the three, is now injured, and so they don't have him. And so they've put a lot of resources into that position, and it's still one of the worst positions on the team in a terrible defense. Feels like a long time since we've been excited about San Diego's defense. They don't have difference makers. That's fair. They don't really have a pass rusher. I thought I thought Ingram would have a good year. He's been okay, but they haven't had a pass rusher really in – Three or four years. It's crazy. You want to make flowers today? <laughs> we I took, like it. We took the Ravens across the board. And by the way. I'm not sure why. Well, we repeat this every time. I'm what not what I do has no relation to what you – just because all five of us do it, it could be a coin flip game and we just go to that. I, I, yeah. I, yeah, no, I hear, but we talk about San Diego helping teams get healthy. The Ravens secondary, outside of that weird Thursday night game with the Steelers, have been an absolute disaster week after week. Want to change your pick? You have. I might. Power. I have till Sunday. I might. You and want? You wanted me to jump in with your, you know, help out with your uh, picks. I think San Diego's. By the way. Well, by the way, what happened last week? Yeah, I was about to say, uh, Mark deserves some credit. He's taking some shots or being terrible at the picks this year. Twelve. <laughs> from who? From you? <laughs> oh, just me. Well, no, I, ha- I haven't said. By the way, from me, I have been. Greg only talks about picks on his new podcast. What new podcast? <laughs> 12 That's and right, 2. That's right, the Rosenthal and Jessica uh, Vandy. Wes, you're fine. $5. Thanks, Wes. Greg will mow out. through this uh, this achievement that I had last week somehow. He Not only did he mow through it, he got a plug for his rival <laughs> podcast. It's not a rival podcast, Dan. 12 and Please. 2, you went. I plan week. to continue. I'm one game behind Connor. He's next to go down, and then I'm coming right up on the old Zeuser. Just say what it is, Greg. What? It's a rival podcast. Why would it be a rival podcast? That'd be like Jason <laughs> Verrett saying Brandon Flowers is a rival cornerback. Is the man on my right? You want to make flowers? Is the man <laughs> on my right my ally or my enemy? Because now I don't know. I think he's your ally. You you look at things strangely. <laughs> Let's move on. The Minnesota Vikings and Chicago <laughs> Bears. 
Uh, oh, yeah, this is what you like, a nice NFC North showdown. But it's not the Bears' year. The Vikings are a team that we're still trying to figure out a little bit, right? I mean, are the Vikings the type of team that you can get behind that could beat good teams at any time? Or are they you know, more closer to the middle of the pack? Mark, uh, Mark Sessler, you tell me what you think about the Minnesota Vikes. A disgusting game, by the way. <laughs> Why? <laughs> well, when we build this is, oh, yeah, we like this as an old NFC North. This is one of the worst games of the week in my book. Because I'll tell you why. To me, the Bears, I understand they're going to go about 7-9, and nine, and they are a better team with Cutler, strangely. They just do not matter at all this season. I always picture the Vikings <laughs> as like. Wow. <laughs> Wait a second. Let's unpack that a little bit. You just completely buried that organization. When I, you know, tell me if I'm wrong. Going through watching all the games on Game Pass, the Bears, I fell asleep twice two weeks in a row watching Bears games. Mike is really close to your mouth, too. I know. It keeps curving towards my mouth. It's very annoying. Who are these Chicago Bears you speak of? They're mythical. I don't don't (laughs) watch them. They had a great ending against the Chiefs. They made the Chiefs watch. Yeah, but the first like forty-eight minutes of that game was again. I fell asleep in a chair in my living room. I, do, I feel I, like the last month of my life has been polluted by a bunch of people trying to defend Jay Cutler. I don't know why. I I do agree that the this NFC North has proven you know outside of the Packers, of course, tiresome. And Teddy Bridgewater is the perfect symbol for why. Like he doesn't do enough to make up for his interceptions that he's been throwing this year. There's not enough flash to his game. I think it will change around, but he's kind of the symbol for me for this Vikings team that they're getting it done, but it doesn't mean it's a lot of fun to watch. You were on NFL Network today talking your QB index, and I I liked what he said. Derek Carr is who he thought Teddy Bridgewater would be. Right. Very steady, week to week. Thank you for – Bortles has outplayed him too. That's true. www.nfl.com dot com slash QB rankings. QB ranks. QB ranks. ranks. Yeah. It's Damn it's it. an odd vanity <laughs> URL because there's QB index yeah. is just such a natural why would we not just go with the title of the article? I hold in my hand the week eight research notes. That of course is the great Tom Cochran, Life is a Highway. What a song that I'm referring to. <laughs> You know, Wang Chung we had been using, but you got to keep things. Well, it's in the same wheelhouse, so I like what you did. You got to think, keep things fresh with 30-year-old songs. <laughs> <laughs> we were, not to get off track, but yesterday in the newsroom, we played the full, full song at high volume. I'm sure a lot of people around us were pleased about that. And, uh, you know. Oh, like they have anything to talk about. Yeah, exactly. Threw, threw it out there. You know, Tom, Tommy Boy, Cochran was right. Life is kind of like a highway, to which Wes said, I don't believe anything the Cochran has to say, that scoundrel. Something like that. <laughs> what happened? I just put my headphones in and listened to a good song like Lay Lady Lay by Bob Dylan. You know, that's cheating. You know, if we're if we're talking about like a fun kind of cheesy song, you can't bury it and then be like, well, I put on my old cans and I listen to Dylan. Because like, I don't cheating. like Life is a Highway. It doesn't do <laughs> Who does good. like? No one likes Life is I a Highway. I admitted that I liked it more than I realized I did. <laughs> That there's a little tiny part towards the end where it slows down and he's reflective, and I like what he had to say, and then it becomes bombastic and goes right, Mr. Bombastic. Know. But you, but like Wes, you don't agree that life is a highway. No, I think it's a horrible metaphor. <laughs> I don't even think Tom Cochran believes life is a highway. It just sounded good. What he, he believes like those royalty checks? The lyrics, the lyrics are off terrible. It. It's nonsense. Made it, millions off it. He's doing fine. Anyway, from the week eight research notes. Adrian Peterson no, 
has been a boomer bust runner this season. I found this to be very West. You can again. You should start grading my uh, my notes that I pull out of this, by the way, because you have been giving. I have a feeling I know what the grades. Are. I've been giving you a lot of leeway this year. Yeah. Okay. Six rushes of twenty plus yards a season. That's tied for the third most in the NFL. Twenty two rushes for negative yardage this season. No running back in the NFL has more than that. Uh, Not surprising at all when you watch them play because. The offensive line can't run black at all, and Peterson is getting blown up on the backfield in, in half of his care. I'll ask the question again. Is 2012 Adrian Peterson have similar numbers to that, or is he not quite as good so he can't shake a bad offensive line play the way he used to, but still is great enough to have breakaway runs like he's having? I, he looks like the same guy to me. Maybe, I, I don't know, 2012 Adrian Peterson looks different than any running back I've ever seen. Maybe he's like 95% of that. I don't know. Right, that's a tough comparison. But I would say to 2013 Adrian Peterson, which was very good and I think was better than his numbers, he, he seems like he's about there. I, they need they need the receivers to win one-on-one matchups. I mean, well, no, got winning. Yeah, I, if I you want two reasons to watch this game, one, Stephon Diggs, who's really fun to watch, and Harrison Smith, who's playing as well as any safety in the NFL, they had him blitzing like a madman last week. It's so funny that you plan your whole offseason and it's endless posts that we write about the wide receivers, Mike Wallace, Charles Johnson, and then bang, it's Diggs out of nowhere that looks by far the most interesting of the group. He looks like a route run from a route running perspective, looks like a six year veteran. Mark, you have a um what used to be a hero pick on this. You're the only one to take the Bears. Tell us why. Well, I mean, you based on what I said earlier, I have no idea why I did that. But <laughs> I'll t- because because no, wait, uh, wait a second. There's, I don't Shocking believe in the I don't believe in the Vikings that much, and I think that the Bears. I said what I did say that they're going to go eight and eight and be completely unimpressive said doing seven it. Seven and nine. Seven and nine, eight and eight, and so they're going <laughs> to sneak a game like this. Here's sure. one of the most surprising things you'll see on Football Outsiders website: their DVOA efficiency ratings. They have the Vikings as a 28th best team in the NFL. And the Bears 30th. So this is an even matchup according to Football hmm. Outsiders. That's shocking. Did did I mention to you guys what I'm uh, trying to bring back? No. The winning. Yeah, you mentioned that a few times. <laughs> it just it, did. It was officially not brought back. Yeah. <laughs> That's a failed happened. experiment. It's been a year. Because I didn't – but I didn't really make the push. I didn't give it the push it deserved. And now I think effective uh, this show, I'm going to really – Give it another shot. This is like the third time you've done effective this show. I'm going to give Doug winning a real shot. All right. We could be the show that makes that tagline big. <laughs> Bring it back. How about this one? Budweiser. Yeah, this is a, this is deja vu. We've had this conversation. Oh, we have? <laughs> you need some new bits. <laughs> I'm running out. We've been doing the show too long. <laughs> What's up? All right. All right. Moving on. The Arizona Cardinals, 5-2. and two. The team of around the NFL, they travel to Cleveland to face the Browns. And, uh, you know, the Browns, another season that is slipping away at 2-5. and five. They need to do something, Mark. they got to prove that they're not going to be pushed around. They're, the football world is picking against them. And let's, let's, let's be honest. They've, well, last week, you know, notwithstanding, they've been in most of the games this season. Do you think they could put up a good battle against a Cardinals team that we believe collectively is as well-rounded as any unit in the league? Well, I, I mean, most teams don't seem to match up well with the Cardinals at all, and that's especially true of Cleveland because Arizona can beat you in so many different ways with their offense. And Cleveland's run defense 
won't even force Carson Palmer to have to do much through the air if they perform the way they did last week and basically every week this season outside of when they played the Chargers. I mean, this is what they were billed to be was, you know, we draft Danny Shelton. We bring in all these guys. We're going to start to become an AFC North team like the Ravens, and we're going to shut down the run. Cleveland cannot control the game on defense at all. They haven't done it once this entire season outside of the Titans game. I found a purpose and sense of meaning for the Browns' season. Get Gary Barnage to the Pro Bowl. Softest hands in the league among tight ends. Well, that is a bitter you – know, yes, that could happen, but for Browns fans in general, I mean, it's sort of a lost at this point. Where did this guy come from, by the way? But what, I, I mean, mean, he's been around for a Carolina. while. He's 30 years old. I know Chudzinski brought him from Carolina. But where did he – all of a sudden he's uh, – He's always played behind better talents like Jordan Cameron and then Carolina behind – was Greg Olson there still, I think? But Barnard's got yes. plenty of pl- – is this his first year in Cleveland? It's, it's the first time – it's his third. It's the third, first yeah, like, time that he's used as a pass catcher. Okay, because I was going to say the guy playing ahead of him was hurt all the time. And they never found a – they never, it's just Oh, surprising. Mark's right. They would use him as a blocker, not a pass catcher. I mean, he his catch rating was always one of the highest in the league, but they was that's off of very little targets. He, he pulls off a, an insane catch every week. And you need to when you got Josh McCown throwing those high balls to you, and especially if he's playing oh. with a shoulder injury. We don't know. You know, this could be the return of Johnny Manziel. Uh, are you? Is, are your loyalties going to be divided uh, on Sunday, Mark? Team of ATL versus your team? No, I respect the Cardinals. I think they're fun to watch. I, I'm not sure it's in. You know, if you're if you're the Browns, it's in your best interest to make a statement at home. If you're a Browns fan, do you really want to finish the season six and ten, and outside of that? place where you can go find a quarterback well you can't really root against them it's just not going to be in your dna it makes you oh no i would miserable root, i would root for lose. cleveland to, to listen they're ch- you talked about this being a statement game that was the broncos game doesn't matter how well josh mccown plays it doesn't matter how well kirk cousin plays rosenthal's going to rank peyton manning ahead of them no matter what that's that, not true that is true mccown has not been cousins the problem better than peyton i had manning cousins, this year so is josh mccown i had cousins ahead of Manning initially. McCown has not been the problem. Their offense has scored 24 points or more in every game except one. It is their defense. The thing they said that they, they called themselves a top three secondary all offseason. Well, absolutely it, not true. It goes with my thought that most head coaches don't matter. We, we, make, we make such a big deal out of head coaches, and there's very few that have schemes that really make a difference. Like, it, you know, I don't think Mike Pettin's going to show up and just make a okay defense that much better. Most of them don't matter that much, and Pettin's one of them. We took the Cardinals across the board. I'm sure, Mark, you I'm sure you got a bunch of tweets about it. There's a fan that ranked all 178 losses since 1999. I read that. He did, did a you, great job. It, would you say that it was comprehensive, obviously. Would you say it was accurate? Well, he said up top. I think he's I, – I, I can tell that he and I are a little bit of a different age because he seemed to have more emphasis on – a little bit of a different time period. He's than in some his mid to late twenties, I believe. Yeah, and it, but he did an excellent job, and I do I wouldn't disagree with some of some of the bigger ones he picked. You know, he had, when you get to the bottom sixty, that list you're just going through it. But I remember most of them. <laughs> I think most Browns fans do. All right, next up, the New York Giants travel to New Orleans to face the Saints. Greg, you went to Tulane, so you have, uh, you know, you have a, an affinity, I would call it, for the Saints. Yeah, especially the old ones. Not really. I've they've kind of lost it. Okay, lost. Mm. It. All right. Like As they in. start to You've struggle, lost that love and feeling. You know. Yeah. Once Detach they won the Super Bowl, it was like, okay, that was good. Then they got <laughs> to their heads a little bit. Wow. <laughs> Big game for both teams. The Giants four and three, currently atop the NFC East, uh, and the Saints. 
you know, showing some signs of life. Now three and four have a chance to get to 500. Big, big game. And uh, I believe, yes, I am the only one of the group that took the Giants in this game. I guess, I don't know. The Saints have been better, yes. And the Giants uh, are the Giants. They're a middle-of-the-road team. But I have a bit of a Sessler here. That Odell Beckham Jr. is going to rip this game apart. 200-yard game. 200-yard game, multiple scores, and when the game's over, they'll say, oh, this game was won mm. by the Giants because ODB, who's practicing again, that's part of the reason Hamstring's why I'm confident. Hamstring's feeling better. Hamstring's feeling better against a bad secondary. Uh, I believe ODB will win this game almost single-handedly. Homecoming for him, too. That's right. Went to, high school, went to the same high school as Eli Manning. Fun fact. Which is insane because it's like a small, predominantly Jewish School, like really? private school. It's not. It's not like some gigantic big football. Well, Odell's parents are like huge athletes who probably had the means to send him there. What, like nine feet tall? No, like his dad played <laughs> oh. running back for LSU, and his mom was a Newman like sprinter. Was it or Newman? Hmm. It, it, I could totally see that happening too. And Beckham seems like he has a flair for that. He's got two hundred people in the crowd, uh, and. He'll put on a show for them. I think the Saints have to feel good that their offense is starting to look a little bit like they ex- they were planning for it to look in the offseason. Even though they weren't racking up yards against the Colts, they have more of a rhythm lately, and they're using all three running backs. And they had a good running performance in Indianapolis. I think they have to feel good about how Ingram and Spiller and, and even Robinson they're using at the goal line uh, looked and that they're finally kind of having that plan of keeping the other team off the field starting to work. I mean, they're 3-1 three and three and one in the last four games, and they're certainly not a complete team that scares you, but it feels like Rob Ryan's defense has turned a little bit of a corner where some of the players that just weren't even on the map are starting to show up. They Look, I think Andrew Luck is obviously has his issues, but they put him into some bad places last week. I mean, they I haven't seen a Luck play a game like that in a while, and, and and I do think the running back thing, I don't know why it took so long. I asked Chris this, why it took so long to get Ingram involved. They were obviously really trying to get Spiller the ball in the were passing they? game early. He's been involved. No, no, but last game oh, he last barely week. played until deep into the first half, and then he went off. And it's like, to me, that is your best running back. But heads and I think tails. they've done a terrible job not giving Spiller the shot in this offense. I don't think he's gotten enough touches. They tried in the last game. They threw it to him over and over. I don't think he's back to – He's not the he's same. He's not back to explosive spiller yet after having that knee scope. He doesn't have the same juice. I mean, I he was one of the yeah. few guys that really leaps off the screen. He hasn't leapt off the juice. screen at all. And he's had a couple chances where he had some room, and he, he doesn't have it. Their passing game is, just remains funky to me, though. It's okay. It was at least – it's moving the ball. It's looking more like the Saints, though, I think. It just feels like 4,000 bubble screens and the occasional pass downfield. Prince of Mukamara, the Giants cornerback. Um, <laughs> you know, JPP is back with the team now, and he's practicing. Really? Haven't heard about this. Yeah, and he might even – The Loch Ness Monster? He might even play this week. Is that a possibility? Or maybe next no week. Way. Um, I think it will be sooner. Well, he's got a lot of money riding on it. So I would think it's going to be sooner than people expect. And uh, he, Prince of Mukamara had this to say just ne- on JPP's hand. Just never seen anything like that. I've never seen a hand like that before. That's not. A I'm point. a monster. <laughs> I mean, why? Now you remember? Look when, away. Remember when they threw Prince in the, in the cold tub when he was a rookie, and they, he got yeah. picked on ceaselessly? It's like, dude, you don't say that. Let's maintain like, some semblance of JPP internal dialogue. Threw him in the cold tub. Well, it's not just that. But they, they, 
all we're saying, like they're all like kind of hovering around, like they want they want him to take it out and show a look. It's very I mean, they wa- he wants to show them all, which is, makes sense. It's like, very human. You know? Sure it is. And I think he's doing it. I don't want to see JPP's hands. He's charging like you know he lost a lot of money. He's charging twenty bucks a pop just to take <laughs> a look. You gotta admit, like after come look behind the curtain. After Prince <laughs> says that though. You kind of want to see it a little bit more now, don't you? I don't want to see his hand at all. A little I bit. We, I have no curiosity We've whatsoever. We've seen it. We've, no, I've seen hands. We've seen it. Prince said it's unlike anything he's ever seen before. I'm well, legitimately curious. In a bad way. I would pay. I don't like bad things. You would pay? That's Like weird. roller coasters? Why? What's wrong I don't get them. <laughs> What's wrong? With you wouldn't really pay. No, I wouldn't. <laughs> that would be awesome. Though. If he started charging people to look at his hand, that would be, you know. Good sneaky business. big game, though. You were right about that. This is a sneaky big game for these two teams. Mm-hmm. It's the Thursday show, which means only it could mean only one thing. Well, it can mean a lot of things. A lot of things happen in the show. But one thing that always happens is Andrew Siciliano of NFL Networks around the NFL stops by to talk some football. Here he is. Welcome to the show, Andrew. Good day, gentlemen. Andrew hosts the television version of Around the NFL, which you can see five times a week on NFL Network. When Looking handsome we, today. When can we see it? Why, thank you. I still have my makeup on. You can see it at 6 p.m. <laughs> Eastern time, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday. Thursday's a little different because they got football that day. Three-hour show begins at 2 p.m. Eastern. I actually said today, today's being Thursday when we taped this, I actually said, coming up tonight, Monday night. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Thursday. <laughs> Thursday night football. So Andrew's back. <laughs> Love having Andrew in the room. Let's get into more games. It's feelings mutual. Let's start with a little AFC North showdown. We like Ooh, to save a good, good one. one for Andrew. Mm. The Cincinnati Bengals, 6-0 mm. uh, and oh this season. Andy Dalton, a new man, all that good stuff. Now they head to Heinz Field to face the Steelers, and it's going to be a different Steelers team that we've seen um, in the last few weeks because Ben Roethlisberger going to be playing, which changes everything, doesn't it, Andrew? I think it does. You know what's a what, – what I think has really stood out, you know, you always see someone's value when they're not there. I mean, example in Dallas now with Romo, the last couple of weeks without Ben, he's been out since week three. Kind of like when I was in uh, London last week. Oh, absolutely. Operation sure. Crumbling. I mean, this thing had <laughs> sure. no energy. It was lacking. You know, Hanzoos was taking these veiled shots at both you and I for the Browns. I don't even remember what they were. <laughs> well, that's um, every week. It was, it was just – it was uncomfortable. Anyway, but, hey, the Jets lost. So, whoa, <laughs> bitter. Where was I? Oh, yeah. So, without Ben, but with Antonio Brown, with Le'Veon Bell, with uh, what am I missing? Martavis uh, Bryant. Martavis Bryant wasn't there for a lot of this. But the fact is, without Ben, even with those weapons, they, they weren't moving the ball. They weren't explosive. And that's a testament to really how good he is. And I know it's also a testament to what Michael Vick has become or what Landry Jones still is not yet. But. He is that valuable, and they they need this game, guys. If the Bengals win this game, the division is over. over. It is over. over. The Germans have bombed Pearl Harbor, and if you don't get the joke, it's your fault, okay? (laughs) And it will be over the first week of November. And this isn't Ben Roethlisberger from 2012 even or 2009. When I was always a big fan, I think he still was a top six or seven quarterback. I think he can be at another level – this year, and he started off this year at another level than he's ever been before because he's been in the system a while, because of the talent around him, and because 
I think his mental game has caught up now at this point of his career as his physical game. I think he was on his way to being right there with Brady and Rodgers as the best quarterback in the league, and suddenly you add that back to the mix. This has got to be one of the best games that we've had of the season so far. we got a couple of them this week. Well, suddenly that quarterback is Andy Dalton. Well, I wouldn't go that far. It is right now. Redhead Jimmy Neutron. Maybe not from a career angle, but this season? I mean, honestly, Dalton hasn't had a bad quarter. I hold in my hand oh, no. the Week 8 research notes from NFL Network. <laughs> Why is life a highway? That, of course, what does it have to do with an Andy Dalton stat you're about to read? Tom Cochran, life is a highway. What a big hit that was. Well, it was, it's been Wang Chung for a few weeks. Just to let everyone know, whenever here, I'll show you again. Whenever I hoist this in the air, it's a celebration. Literally, I get it. the party is on. So basically when, when that hits your email on Tuesday night at roughly 10 p.m., the party begins. It's basically right. Dan's only access to football information. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know anything until I found this. Do you want my password for Stats Inc.? Do you need them? Too? Don't need it. Okay. Got the research guide. And according to the research guide, and to Mark's point, that Andy Dalton, perhaps a god now with flaming hair, Dalton has the highest fourth quarter pass rating in the NFL this season, 146.3. In his first four seasons, Dalton's combined fourth quarter passer rating was 82.8, mm. 24th in football. This is a different quarterback, which means even though I'm, I think the Steelers will win this game, I also have trepidation because this is not going to be Dalton flaming out in a big spot. I just don't Wait, see it. He has the highest rating in football, period. Correct. He's regardless of quarter. He's throwing just about a perfect game. You've seen a lot of Bengals teams over the years, Chris. I know you're pretending you're not at all invested in this one. You certainly like the Steelers talk. I just want to think. I just want to see like what do you expect out of this team coming up in a big buy in a big game? I uh, there he is. (laughs) I expect the Steelers to win. You do. I I think this Bengals team. I don't recognize their DNA. They're much different. They don't crumble. Having said that, it's almost like the Steelers are not only getting Big Ben back, they're getting Antonio Brown back mm, because they haven't point. used him yeah. for the last three or four Have not. weeks. They've used, they've, shelved, they've, used, they've shelved half their offense. They've shackled their quarterbacks and not let them throw. I think this is huge getting Big Ben back because you're using Antonio Brown again. Ben didn't have Martavis Bryant earlier in the year when he was playing so well, and it's hard to find a more explosive trio than Lev Bell, Martavis Bryant and Antonio Brown. And I was talking with Brian Billick about this a couple of days ago. This isn't the old Ben that would extend plays, that would run around the pocket and try to get guys loose downfield. This is the Ben that is getting the ball and throwing the ball. Mm -hmm. And whether that's a testament to his maturity, as Greg said, or a testament to the fact that that's what Todd Haley wants to do and they're finally on the same page now in whatever whatever year this is, he – I don't know that he's truly going to be limited in his return. It's a pain issue, certainly. Kurt was saying that as well. It's a pain issue. But uh, he gets that ball out quickly. I, I trust uh, Ben Roethlisberger to make it through pain, though, honestly. Like, well, he's, he's like going to whine about it and let the boy. whole country know uh, that he's playing through pain because that's what Big Ben does. Ben, but he is tough. He the, is a master at that. Yes. They also I, get Ryan Shazier back, which is a huge addition. He played last week and defense. got a sack. And I think – with him in the mix, and you have the Bengals, 
It, to me, it's the most fascinating game of the, of the year just about because the Bengals can make such a statement by winning this game. And yeah. That's why I think the Steelers will win just because I don't feel like this is division that should be over in week eight. just shouldn't. So because Greg Rosenthal doesn't want something that's to happen. How seasons, that's, how right. that's how seasons play out, though. They have certain – Based on your wishes. He is the puppet master. That's just how things go. <laughs> he is the puppet master. But I do like to think go. about the injuries, though. There's Most quarterbacks, most players are, no, no, it's a flesh wound. God it's, doesn't play dice with the universe, but Greg Rosenthal plays dice with the NFL season. No gambling. <laughs> Propositions. Uh, Sessler and Patrick both took – the Bengals. With confidence. I'm taking the Bengals. Ooh, I like that. As With authority. Is taking the Bengals. Andrew Siciliano, the rest of the group, uh, took the Steelers. Moving on. A uh, little NFC West showdown. Uh, the San Francisco 49ers. There's some stuff going on in that locker room right now. Who knows uh, if the uh, Niners have too many wins left. I just don't. I think this could be the worst team in the NFL by the time the season's over. Didn't we say that week one? Uh, we thought that I did, okay. at least. Okay, yeah, we and, being me. And then after week one, I was like, oh, wait a second. Maybe they're not that bad. Now it's starting to feel like they could be that again. They face the St. Louis Rams. And in the Edward James Olmos Dome, and I let's, let's, just, let's just say it, okay? What What's that, Mark? The Edward James Olmos Dome. Okay. <laughs> it, it is the, you haven't heard him say that before? Welcome the to the Around the NFL podcast. Edward I've been Jones saying it for like two years. Dome. <laughs> Mark's been in London a long time. <laughs> Um, the Edward James almost though. If the Rams don't take care of business this, this week, I'll never take them seriously. Wes, how could you? No, you, you fork them if they don't win this week because the 49ers are a bad, bad football team. And the Rams, they fly to the ball on defense in that dome. And they also have Todd Gurley, who to me is right there with Le'Veon Bell as the best running back in football. Mm. I don't need – I hate this theory that I need to see more than three games. No, you don't. As Brian Baldinger said, my mom could scout Todd Gurley. This is easy to tell. He's one of the best <laughs> running backs you, in the league. Sure. You think He's, Mrs. Baldinger liked Brian or Rich better on the field? Mm. If she, if she's a Ooh, scout, question. Well, she's also watched a lot of football question. games, and she's focusing in on line play because of her son's career. So she might be a better scout than anyone in this room. I don't doubt that. Marshall Falk, by the way, his sit-down or stand-up, he does both, with Todd Gurley coming up on game day morning. I digress. Todd Gurley's awesome. He's everything we thought he was going Humble to be. Humble plug. And imagine, imagine what happens when he actually does get healthy. And obviously he's healthy enough to play right now, but ask anybody who's had the ACL, you're better in year two than you are in year one. That's he looked scary. pretty healthy on that play last week. Yeah. It was like a 12-yard game, and he shot out of a can and then vaulted over someone. Yeah. yeah. He's really, really good. He is better in the fourth quarter. He, he has uh, – now, this is my favorite stat. I, I'm cutting you off one more time, Sessler. So he's leading the NFL with 110 rushing yards per game. That includes his first game where he only ran for nine yards. Wow. Think about that. And That's it, absurd. And in the Cleveland game, they at one point they had they had pretty housed him down. He didn't have that much yardage. In Cleveland, a terrible run-stopping defense. It looked like they had kind of figured out what St. Louis was doing. But then, bang, he rolls out like a 48-yard gain. Yeah, He's one of, it's, it's like Adrian Peterson. He just blows people away. I mean, they didn't do anything on offense last week. They had 108 total yards ahead. Well, their offense he had stinks. 76. They need to bench Jared Cook. Few few players hurt their team wow, more on a, day, on a week-by-week basis than Jared Cook does with mental mistakes and drops and fumbles and everything. It's weird that they keep trotting him out there. I know they're not healthy at the position. But well, they, they Lance, he, Lance Kendricks has thing. one hand. I mean, I mean, that's the issue right just, now. Lance you gotta Kendricks find, you gotta that's find actually a bone in his hand. Let me just correct Andrew. That's JPP. <laughs> Say again? That's JPP that has one hand. Okay. That, that's that funny. They're, 
their entire offense is Todd Gurley and gadget plays to Tavon Austin. Right. It's figuring out a way to get Nick Foles a, a shot down the field. You said they, they fly around at home, and they do. And the secondary is what stands out to me in that Browns game. Just Tremaine Johnson. Amazing. LaMarcus Joyner, TJ McDon. You can't tell which one's which. Rodney McLeod had the fumble just, return touchdown. You know, Greg Williams does, does something with secondary. I mean, he is a great – coach with the secondary. He's known for his pressures, but it reminds me of those Saints teams who that secondary would fly around and they would hit and they would just be a problem. And that's why I think this defense... McCown was 11 of 11 to start the game, and it looked like St. Louis was completely in control. Well, one of those 11s was a completion that Taylor Gabriel quickly then dropped and allowed Rodney McLeod to run the other way for a Yes, that changed the game. But that's the type of plays they make. Big hits. I mean, that's sort of what stands out there. Mark Barron had 16 tackles, and it should be noted, Mark Barron is really a weak side linebacker. Right He's now. playing linebacker. He's not a safety. They Pro had football him up. focus didn't think much of his performance at all. Well, he had 16 tackles. Two tackles Can't take that line. away from him. Oh, and he also had a chin up, a helmet up under the chin of Josh McCown, which should have been flagged and was not flagged. Um, they are playing physical football. But the thing with the Rams, as we have always said, is A, find success, B, sustain it. Mm. And this week is a test for them in a game at home that they should definitely win against a team that they are better than. However, however, you know, Start stringing wins back-to-back. This is the, if there is such a thing, soft spot in their schedule. Absolutely. This is the time for them to show that they are legitimate. Stack some wins. got to stack them. And before we, we move on, the Colin Kaepernick situation, to me, feels like it's at a crossroads right now because of that Jay Glazer report that said he's on an island in the 49ers locker room. And, and his then, confidence is, quote, completely shot and the, then stories come out day after day in San Francisco this week about different players support him and different players do not and Joe Staley and Vernon Davis and Vernon then, Davis by the way just within the last 10 minutes said that, that there was no such altercation he doesn't remember that he says he doesn't remember it and then they get into his history dating one of Alden's Alden Smith's ex-girlfriend and that was when things started going it. a little wire you know crazy it just feels like the way he played that Thursday night game that was one of the worst performances anyone's had all season some of those throws were just insane for an NFL quarterback and i feel i feel for Jim Tom Sewell, as we said it's like he was hired to rearrange decks uh, chairs on the deck of the Titanic uh, which leads me to the, the quote when they're asked. Now he's getting asked to the media every day. He's being asked about his locker room that is fraying and the quarterback that doesn't believe in him. This is what Jimmy T had to say. The biggest thing that I actually let's give me something a little here. Sydney. The biggest thing I said to them was, guys, it's like an Italian dining room table. Everyone is sitting around the table and sometimes it gets heated. Dishes get broken and people leave. But everybody's got to come back to the table to eat. When it's all said and done, there's hugging and kissing, and we're eating the good food again. So here's the question. <laughs> it's about the good food. As the only Italian here, why is it acceptable to do that voice why? and play that music? Because why is it that we can kick the Italian? Oh, why is that kicking the that's Italians? That's a tribute. No, no, no. But, but let, let's pick another random ethnic group. Would you do that I same could, voice I and play a, the music? I could do it. To the Swiss. I could He's do done it. A, for, done no, maybe Irish Swiss, impression. Man, we're not afraid of them. I would do like a Woody Allen voice with maybe some, I don't know what would be in the background. I'm kidding. I honestly I don't, don't care. The, but the, I always found it funny that like the, there's, for example, this irks me. There's like 
the old pasta sauce commercials. And there'd, there'd, be, there'd be the fat Italian grandmother stirring the pot and the kid in the undershirt standing behind the man, mama, that's a spicy <laughs> meatball. But that, that, no, that doesn't offend anybody. Well, one thing, though, Danny grew up in a steel <laughs> town out east. Somebody. And this takes Danny back well, to his steel town coal mining roots. I grew up in an Irish-Italian town and an Irish family on my mother's side, but all we ate was Italian food. Uh, does that I, give me some honorary Italian status? Per- Not really. I, but, I, you know. I personally am not offended and don't care. I just decided <laughs> to pick a fight with you. Andrew Siciliano, Italian name, some Jewish heritage as uh, well. I'm an, I'm an Italian Jew. Yeah, I'm I'm the one. The guys me and my brother got things covered. We're the kosher Nostra. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how do we pick this game? Mm. I think everybody knows Rams across the board. Uh, last game we will do with Andrew. Let's talk about a little. Ooh, this one is not as good, Andrew, but. It's not personal. The Tennessee Titans, one and five this season. Uh, we have not forked them, um, as you learned on Tuesday's podcast. We're not giving up on the Titans, or maybe controversial. We don't want to give the Colts the benefit of the doubt that they're going to win this I'll division. I'll fork the Colts right now. Uh, they travel to Houston to face the Texans. What a forking going on here. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of stuff obviously going around in Houston. Ryan Mallett got cut, obviously, uh, so he's out of the picture. So we'll see how Bill O'Brien's team reacts in the face of some adversity here. T.J. Yates back in action uh, or back on the team, but it will be Brian Hoyer behind quarterback. Mark, I'll start you off with this one. Uh, What is your feeling on the Bill O'Brien era? Is he in danger? How about Rick Smith as well? I mean, it's it's never a good sign when these reports start to – flow out that they can't agree and there's and they're both you know they're both reporting to the owner it, you have to wonder where they came from you have to wonder where they came from but it also is what happens to almost every team that's in an absolute funk like they are and they don't have a quarterback and the whole thing with bill o'brien was you know another quarterback whisperer so-called doesn't have anything to work with at that position because brian hoyer put up a nice in relief, a nice performance a couple weeks ago, and then he's just what we know about Brian Hoyer, and you can't do anything in this conference if you don't have a quarterback. If Bill O'Brien is the quarterback whisperer, does that make Marcus Mariota the whispering quarterback? Mm. Mm. That, that, that's the good matchup this week. Do you know how hard it is to miss a team flight? I had this conversation <laughs> with a couple of guys off the air this week. You know how hard is First of all, you got to go to the team facility. Right? That's how they do it now. They do TSA. They do all that at the facility. Then you get on the bus. Then you go to the airport. Then they have to load the stinking plane. That doesn't take – I mean, it takes a while. Well, it is hard to miss a team. Here's the thing. Aaron Wilson of the Houston Chronicle um, wrote a, a report that uh, went up live last night that not only did he miss the team flight, earlier that same day, that same Saturday, he arrived to the facility late uh, for a team meeting and got sent home by the coach. And then there was a host of anonymous quotes um, from the Texans players to Wilson. And there were references to, you know, we don't know if this guy's okay. Like, what's going on with him? And when you show up late twice in the same day, and it's a guy, you know, not to speculate too much here, but a guy that's had some issues in his past, you start to connect the dots and wonder if there's something bigger going on beyond, oh, this guy's a goober that can't wake up. Well, you just hope that the guy's okay. I mean, let's put that out there as well. We could all mock him. But um, I liked I, I was having fun mocking Ryan Mallett, but now it's like you wonder, is there something else cooking? Right. And it's, it becomes a different story. And yet, the, if they win this game, they very well might be tied for first place in the AFC South. Oh, my goodness. Absurd by the that. end of the day, Brian Hoyer, you, he's he's a little like Jameis Winston in that 
you can usually get a feel of what kind of day it's going to be within the first two drives. If Brian Hoyer starts off bad, it just gets worse and worse and worse. And if he can start off with a little momentum, and the Titans' defense has been playing a little better. I know you they, you, you kind of like the Titans' defense, Wes. What's not to like? Brian Arakpo's playing like the old Brian Arakpo. Avery Williams, Williamson and, and Wesley Woodyard are, are hit, hitting really hard in the middle. And then you've got Jarrell Casey, who is perennially one of the most underappreciated players in the NFL. And Dick LeBeau. Derek Morgan's playing well. Derek Morgan, yep. He, uh, the, the Titans have a chance here. It, we don't know as we tape this if Mariota's going to play, and that's kind of the million-dollar question. I mean, that really changes. Yeah, it's doesn't. like a $80 question. Say it with me, because Zach <laughs> Mettenberger just isn't good. Zach Mettenberger is 0-7 in his career. As Headed toward Brody Croyle territory. Quarterback. I'm not going to admit that. But I'll say this about the AFC playoff picture real quick here, and I meant to say this with – the Steelers before. Actually, this came up with Derek Johnson this week at the Chiefs as they're in London. I was talking to him before he got on the plane. So the Chiefs are 2-5. and five. Remember, the Chiefs, when we sat here a week ago, had the longest losing streak in the NFL at 5. Well, they're now 2-5. and five, But they beat the Steelers last week. And we all agree here that the Steelers aren't going to win the AFC North. And there's a good chance with... I don't three, agree with that. Okay, I, well, then I do. They're not going to win the AFC North. And right now, your three undefeated teams lead the three divisions, and the other division is led by a team that's under 500. So your wild card team is looking at maybe 9-7 and seven here, mm. which means, bear with me, the 2-5 <laughs> and five Kansas City Chiefs are really only two games back of the Steelers, and they've already beaten the Steelers. The AFC wild card picture is kind of... Well, they also still are what they are. They are what they are, yes. But, I mean, that speaks to... The AFC, when you take, when you skim the, the, the top teams, the unbeaten teams, and if you want to throw in the Dolphins or the Jets, skim them off the top, what else is left? One of these teams that oh, we forked is I, getting in. I totally disagree. I How? Think Where? The Jets and Steelers are obviously way better than these other teams. You well, can't, I, I, you I can't said, take said Big Ben Jets. off the Steelers. But here, I think no, the no, no, Steelers no. I would put with those other teams when they have Ben Roethlisberger. Right, right. That's so the, the problem. Steelers, the, the, Dolphins. the Chiefs are like three tiers below those. Teams. I understand that. So you have you have the undefeated teams, right? Okay, then you have the Steelers and the Dolphins. Yeah, Who I like the Dolphins I would and the, the Jets. I'm I would sorry. put the Jets, the Steelers, and the Jets. That's mm-hmm. what I meant. Then maybe the Dolphins, maybe. I put the Dolphins right there with them. Okay. I know I'm in the minority. So then you have the Dolphins. And then what do you have? That's what I'm saying. I well, feel like junk. it's cut and dry who the wild card favorites are. But I, I think the Jets and the Steelers both have a good chance to get to 10 or 11. In this game, uh, where there will be no playoff teams coming out of it, two of us took the <laughs> Texans, Dan and Connor. Um, so that's that. Uh, you know what, Andrew, you've said it all. Uh, now this is the point of the show where we start digging into your personal life. What's going on romantically with you? Excuse me? <laughs> I didn't know I that. Thought if I, I thought if I segged it smoothly, you just go sh- roll right with us. And now for something completely different. Uh, I I have a girlfriend. How about that? Oh, oh, there you go. Hey, now. You didn't know that. So does Greg. There you go. You have a girlfriend. I'm trying to keep that, I'm trying to keep that from my wife. Um, <laughs> my kids actually know that we take, we take them out. But anyway. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, I mean, that's that's the answer. Yeah, all right, so, ladies, tough cookies, as they say. Andrew, again, he is the host of Around the NFL. He is a great guest here in the podcast studio. Thank you for joining us, and I'm sure we're going to see you very soon. Uh, I, after that last question, I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to get uh, – that was more surfacy, and now that, you know, we've – Kind of jumped in a little bit and got our feet wet. I, God knows what you're going to ask next week. <laughs> now we really dig in. Thanks, right. Andrew. Thank you, Andrew. Good night. All right. 
up next, we have the New York Jets traveling to Oakland to face the Raiders. Uh, a 4.05 kickoff. I am extremely, as a Jets fan, I am extremely nervous about this game. The Jets historically don't play well in the black hole, and this is a Raiders team that's starting to feel good about itself. Um, they are 500, a 500 Raiders team um, right before November. Uh, this is something we haven't seen in a long time, a team that's uh, legitimately you may not want to play. And I think the Jets coming off a hard-fought game in New England where they came up short, I'm not going to say it's a letdown game for the Jets, but I would not be surprised if this game is a three-point game that and it could go either way. I mean, I picked the Jets because I'm a homer, but I could have easily went against them in this spot because I think the Raiders are going to be a tough beat for just about everyone for the rest of the way. They've been in every game, or or when they're not, they're blowing teams out like they did the Chargers a week ago. I mean, the Raiders, yeah, they had the every week game, one. every game includes not, the opener, except for the opener. Okay. That's fair. When Derek Carr got hurt, but he they weren't doing well even before he got hurt. I mean, Derek Carr has been very steady. He's got the heater and he's got the touch pass. He's been very consistent. I, I wouldn't say he's flashy, but he he can make every throw and they're protecting him very well. Well, and it's like we just talked about the Giants and how one guy Odell Beckham could completely change that game, and the Raiders haven't had a guy like that forever. And Amari Cooper, I mean, the matchup between Amari Cooper and the secondary is fascinating, and that's that's probably going to dictate what happens for the Raiders' offense. Listen to this stat on Cooper, by the way. He is he's at thirty three five nineteen and three. You know, there was a lot of talk before this draft that this up this wide receiver class could rival last year's historic uh, wide receiver class. So those numbers are better combined than the other five wide receivers in the first round. Kevin White, Devontae Parker, Nelson Aguilar, Rashad Perryman, and Philip Dorsett. Like, all those guys do not match what Amari Cooper has done, which tells you two things. Cooper's been awesome. And the rest of those guys, every single one has been a huge disappointment. Well, most of them have been hurt. But but point be, point being that is nothing like last year's class because one of them is so clearly better than every single other by leaps and bounds. First rookie since Mike Ditka in 1961 with three 100-yard games in his first six career games. It's a little bit different going against Darrell Revis and Marcus Gilchrist than Jimmy Wilson. There's just not, though, a lot of wide receivers that catch the 40-yard bomb where they high point the ball down the field and make the people miss on a 30, 40-yard touchdown and, and break three or four tackles. There's, there's not that many of those receivers. He's, he's one of them. He's first among starting wide receivers in yards after contact and yards after contact per reception, which hmm. goes to prove what you're saying. I mean, but the the thing about the Jets, and I, just, I think, you know, I picked the Jets because they're just flat out the better team across the board here, but the, the Raiders in four of six games have not run the ball well. New York's going to theoretically take that away completely and then just focus on Cooper, and if you erase that matchup or, or settle him down, I don't see how New York loses this I one. feel like the Jets match up well with the Raiders, and yeah. I, I agree. I can see why Dan would be a little queasy about this because the Raiders are frisky, but I feel like the Jets are like made to beat this Raiders. And the, and the Raiders have a, two good pass rushers in Mack and Alden Smith, and Smith's been playing a little bit better, but they don't have a great back seven. I mean – this has been a good Jets offense. It's been surprisingly good. Fitzpatrick, I think, is coming off his best two games of the season in a row, really, uh, That those last two and the opener. Right now, Pro Football Focus has Ryan Fitzpatrick ranked as adding the most rushing value 
of any running back in the league. Better than Cam. Better that than doesn't surprise Russell me. Wilson. Better than anyone. He's it's doing Ryan it fixed legs, and it always gets the crowd I'm fired not, up. I mean, he's that, doing it on third downs yeah. when they need it. I didn't 11, he'll run 12. He is very, he's been very good at that all season. Uh, I think that's been the thing I've been most surprised about. It's a real element of his game. Uh, Chris Ivory is the other guy to keep an eye on here. He was not himself against the Patriots, so that leg injury – uh, he's been practicing this week. So if he's himself, you guys are right. If he's, if Ivory's running you know, downhill and uh, Fitz continues to not make mistakes and Reeves can uh, negate Cooper and Latavius Murray can't run on the Jets line, those are all things working. And, and this is there. a classic Rex Ryan letdown game if he were the Jets coach, not with Todd Bowles. Ooh, I like that. I agree too. with Mark. All right, I'm in. I'm in. I'm confident now. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Moving on, the Seattle Seahawks. Oh, man, the Seahawks, they're 3-4. and four. They need a win here to get back to 500, and now they travel to Big D uh, to face the Cowboys, which is very good news. Every All these teams that are getting the Cowboys now are, should consider themselves very fortunate. This is going to be a much tougher team once they get healthy uh, with Tony Romo there. But looks like the Cowboys will get Des Bryant back. He's, you know, sometimes with the Jones men, I don't know what to believe when they, they come out in the media. But what? Des, you think? Dez is, quote, on target to play Sunday. He's been practicing this week. Uh, Joseph Randall, we, I guess we're not going to see. He's facing either a one- or two-game suspension regarding to a personal conduct policy connected to a arrest in the offseason. But Darren McFadden probably was the guy anyway, Wes, uh, after his game last week, right? Good news for the Cowboys that Joseph Randall won't be playing. They oh, have to worry he about. Like, he was fine. <laughs> what are you talking about? McFadden played way better last week than Joseph Randall's ever played in his life. That's not true. Randall had a that great is game true. like three weeks ago, four weeks ago. When he, he got, got shut out for the half. entire second half that game. McFadden carried this offense and lost a 31-yard screen pass touchdown to a bad call. Well, he's not going to carry it this week, and it won't be the- – to any fault of his own. This is a great matchup in terms of the offensive line against this Seahawks front, but I, I think this Seahawks team really hasn't been much below where they where they should be all year defensively, and I think they're just ready to go on a run right now. This was the game last year that I think put Dallas on the map more than any other and said this is what they are on offense. We're going to eat up 45 minutes of the clock and absolutely beat you up with the run. They just can't do that right now. Not with not with Castle under center. Roma was part of the equation. And and I think it's a good matchup. Well, I don't know if it's a good matchup, but I think it's a good way for Russell Wilson to show the country how well he's playing. I think he's playing better right now. Pete Carroll said it this week that he thinks Wilson's playing better from the pocket than ever. I, I agree. I think Wilson's having a better start to the season than he's ever had. And I, to your point, uh, Mark, I didn't think Romo got enough credit last year for his role and how great the running game was uh, because you <laughs> looked at his numbers and they were killer numbers. Right, they weren't like playing around him. No, all anybody was talking was like about was third in the MVP. Race, yeah, Romo it? was great because of the run game, but the run game needs that quarterback as well. So Matt Castle is going to have to do some things for the running game to oh. work. Darren McFadden's not going to be able it's to gonna do It's going to be an ugly, himself. ugly game for Matt Castle. You, you, yeah. So you, you're thinking blowout. Sherman's, Sherman, Richard Sherman is now shadowing number one receivers around the field. So if Dez plays, he'll be on him. I don't think you want to play the Seahawks right now. I just think no, I don't they're either. about to they're about to drop some hate. Buzzsaw. I mean, Dallas is giving up about 30, 31 points a game over the last four games. Their defense is not, you know, humming either, and it has to do with what's happening on offense. We took the Seahawks across the board. Let's move to Sunday night football. The Green Bay Packers and the Denver Broncos, a matchup of two 6-0 and teams. Hubba, hubba. And two iconic quarterbacks, Aaron Rodgers at the height of his powers, Peyton Manning, not quite, but but <laughs> when the lights are on 
and the pressure's on, and Peyton needs to put on a display. He's going to step up and deliver in a big spot. Right, Mark Sessler? No. Oh. <laughs> okay. No. Okay. I mean, well, Green Bay's sort of underperformed on offense themselves lately to some degree. But I don't know if it's underperformed, but compared to what I thought they would be doing. Good. Half the roster's injured. Well, that would be a good reason. We did. For there it. was a time, though, when we were saying it doesn't matter what happens with Green Bay, as long as Aaron Rodgers is healthy, they're going to shred everyone and everything. Right. That's true. That's being proven not quite true. Uh, they need people to be healthy. I, Randall Cobb. Let's see if the bye week helps him because he has not been the same guy for about a month. I think with Denver, it's you don't need this, this. Isn't a Peyton Manning led team the same way it was on any level? We've known that for a month plus. It's this defense versus Aaron Rodgers, but it needs to be a respectable Peyton Manning. This is not sustainable as it is now. I, I agree with that. I mean, this this game weirdly isn't getting as much attention as it should. I mean, I, I think it was it's only the third time or the fourth time in NFL history that two teams undefeated this late in the season have played, and one of those was in 1921. Well, and one was Giants-Niners on Monday night back in, I think, 1990. And the other was Colts-Pats. Uh, I think ago. it was 2008. Something like that. They were eight, you know, seven and zero. It's two thousand seven. This this is an unbelievable matchup, and I, I want to see if the Packers' offense c- can move the ball against this Bronco. I mean, that is such a great matchup, and I was expecting the bye week like you were, West, to help them out a lot. And who knows if we'll even know what they really are on offense because they have to go up against a historically good defense. The Broncos have a plus thirty seven point differential, which is the worst in NFL history for a team that started out six and zero. That's how bad their offense has been. They're 32nd in football outsiders. Right, they're 11th overall in football outsiders numbers because they have that 32nd ranked offense. That might be affecting the buzz here. Is Oh, it definitely is. Is that people do not hmm. take the Broncos seriously because everyone is um, now believing that Peyton Manning is over the hill and there's no coming back. So they're kind of a soft 6-0. and Well, that's, that's fair. But, but they're it, interesting. But Aaron Rodgers versus this defense. That's great. That alone. That should sell it. But, but, it, but the other one, the 1990 Niners-Giants game, was Joe Montana, Phil Simms, I believe. Lawrence and, Taylor. <laughs> well, sure, Lawrence Taylor. But there was th- this, I think maybe what we were saying five weeks ago about Peyton Manning around the NFL's group, is now caught on nationally, and people finally understand that Peyton Manning is depressing to watch. He is, and yet when they've needed a drive from him, you can't ignore that three or four times he's come up with a, a big drive at the end of games. I, he's still been a, a brutal still quarterback dep- depressing in a brutal tumble. offense. Here's where I am different than Wes, is that I do still think there's a good chance that they figure things out and become mediocre on offense in their passing game. <laughs> oh, I, mean, I, I think they can become mediocre. Well, well, that's a, I think you should aspire to mediocrity if you're Peyton Manning. No, but that's that could be good enough to win a Super Bowl, them being mediocre. I don't think so. I, I don't think from what we've seen out of Peyton Manning in January with, in a Denver Broncos uniform, he's not gonna he's not going to get better when the elements are harsh. Quarterback can't be mediocre and beat Tom Brady at, at Gillette Stadium. What if you trade for Matt Forte? I don't think that that helps. Well, it couldn't hurt. When they're, when they're running lanes, Ronnie Hillman looks great. We took Green Bay across the board in this game, knocking the Broncos uh, from the ranks of the unbeaten. Wow. In Denver. Which takes us to Monday Night Football. We got another undefeated team to talk about here. They are, of course, the Carolina Panthers at 6-0. and um, They will face the Indianapolis Colts, the NFL's most disappointing team. I'm going to go and say it. I'm not going to say one of the – 
Uh, I'm just kidding. They are the most disappointing team in the football, and yet they are in first place in the AFC South at 3-4, and four. and if they could just right the ship a little bit, they will win the division and get a home game in the playoffs with Andrew Luck. Who knows what happens then? Uh, so, Mark, I'll start with you on this one. Uh, Cam Newton uh, in the MVP conversation. Andrew Luck not going to be in the MVP conversation. Who's the better quarterback on the field on Monday night? Right now? Cam right Newton? now. Easily. I mean, it's if, Ta- if Peyton Manning is the most depressing situation at quarterback right now, as we just discussed, Andrew Luck is the most mysterious. I, I can't figure out what's going on with this guy. This feels like a back-against-the-wall game for the Colts. And, yeah. And everybody's agree. blowing smoke up the Panthers' skirts because they're undefeated. <laughs> and yet I still feel like the Panthers are too tough-minded of a team to kind of blow this one. They're well-coached, and their defense just has that backbone that won't allow them to kind of back down in this game. Well, you've been saying you would fork the Colts. And I think part of that is you don't just think the Colts are, you know, a bad team. I think is it fair to say you think they're one of the worst, you know, five to eight teams in the league? I think they're about twenty fourth, and then you add in the element of turmoil. The, right, it's it's right. real, and that's the thing. If if I was ranking like ugly newspaper slash team media situations right now, the Colts surprisingly are right near the top, and that's not a town you think of. It's just ugly in the papers every week, and the negativity around that team is a real thing. And with luck, may, maybe it's physical, but that doesn't really explain why he's so hesitant to throw it. He looks – I said that he looks like he's having the rookie season he never had, where if something's taken away from him, he's panicking and he's he's pump faking, and then he decides to throw it anyways, but it's too late. Everything is late. Everything is late what if, and, and slow. What if part of it is that he doesn't trust his arm? Yeah, that, and that's sure. causing hesitation. And he's not been through that as a pro. Likes. Yeah, and he's. I don't also, think he's trusted he's his arm going back to the season opener. It, he he will uncork a couple throws that are okay uh, during the game, like impressive throws. It they, he threw the ball fifteen times to T. Y. Hilton last week. You know what? Got though, four passes. Th- but what like, last insane. year when they abandoned the run and they just decided we're just going to go with luck, we're going to pass this ball up and down. That was an identity to some degree. There's no identity to their current offense. Well, Frank Gore's running has been one of their best features on offense. But it's not when you're down 20 to nothing to the Saints. It doesn't mean much. And it's, they have it's no of, sustaining element right. because they're always being penalized or Luck's making bad decisions. He's on tilt. I mean, that was his worst game was last year, last week, I think, against the Saints. But he, he's just something in his mind is on scrambled. Tilt. I'm not really familiar with that term. I remember it from like '80s arcades. Really? Yeah, like an arcade game. Yeah, where it gets on tilt. You get the old tilt, like it's, not available. What does that mean? Basically, Machines, it's the kids like go like this with the machine, or they're trying to get change out of it. Basically, when you know, you're, he's he's scrambling. If you were uh, gambling, <laughs> for instance, and things. Dan are, is mystified. Things I was are like I know a lot of words in the language. Things are starting to go horribly wrong for you. Uh, you're very unlucky, you know. If you're if you're tilt. there playing some cards, you're on you're on okay. tilt. I mean, I like it. Think, just unfamiliar. It probably went back to uh, pinball. It it started with. I'm slightly mystified that you, I didn't uh, want to go. You into, don't know about that, but well, it's like know. I'm not familiar with pinball. Well, this is the difference in generations. Like Mark and I grew up like at the tail end of the pinball. Pinball was huge in the 70s. Yeah, and arcades were becoming way, a big thing. Pinball sucks. <laughs> it's a little. I played it before. Not a fun game. I don't know how people were, you know, losing money to those. It's games. a very 1970s excite. You know that that was the technology at the time. Like to me, it cracks me up why people still play cards. I'm, I'm sure that was big in the year <laughs> 130 when there was nothing ever else to do. It stood the test of time. Couldn't agree more. 
Thank you. Um, you know, the renegade Connor Orr, who reined it in a little bit this week as he falls down the standings. He is, uh, <laughs> But in this case, he did go with the Colts. He is the only one to pick the Colts. I mean, this is – I'm excited about this game. These are the two quarterbacks of this generation, really, that have come into the league since two – 2010. Sorry, Russell Wilson, that I'm the most excited about. And then they couldn't be meeting at different points, you know, in their careers than right now. Cam is about at an all-time high and Luck is about at an all-time low. Um, That is it for the late Thursday, early Friday edition of the Around the NFL podcast. Congratulations, by the way. Phillip Rivers, birth of his baby daughter, number eight, I believe. Yes. Healthy girl named Claire. Nice. Very nice. Something to aspire toward, uh, Mark. Three children away from a football team of his own. But how about you? Yeah, six children away from matching. I'd love to have that many kids. Really? Yeah, I just I'd need to not be in Los Angeles for that to happen because it's outrageously. You would love. You would love to have. You would not be able to handle that, Mark. You would not. Oh, I'd be. I. You're right. Many days I would not. But I would say one thing. You'd be about a hundred years old and have a ton of grandchildren around. (laughs) Kind of, kind of cool. Some advanced planning. Yeah, I need to rob a series of U.S. banks to make that happen. <laughs> we will be on. We will be back on Sunday night with our flagship show, the uh, Week Eight Recap. See, it keeps rolling and rolling and rolling. Uh, until then, this is Dan Hansa signing off for Quiet Storm, the Mailman, the Boss, and Sydney behind the glass. Till Sunday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.